Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Amen, amen. I, I was thinking about a football game, and when I was thinking about football, I think about when they win the Super Bowl, and when they win the Super Bowl, I think about the quarterback goes, well, it wasn't me. I'm not worthy of all the praise. It's my front lineman. If I didn't have a front line, it wouldn't be a great quarterback. And then the team goes, well, it's our coach. And then the coach goes, well, it's really, it's really the owner. And then the owner goes, well, it's really our fans. It never ends, but it ends with Jesus Christ. He is worthy. Let's give him praise offering. Just before you sit down, tell someone you're glad to have them in the house of God this morning. Welcome you online this morning, and I pray that you open up your Bibles. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue working through the Sermon on the Mount. The subject has to do with worrying. Is anybody worried about anything this morning? Are you worried about what time you're going to get out of here? Are you worried about something's in the oven this morning and you got to get home to be able to eat what you have in the oven this morning? Are you worried about your job? Well, God has a word for you today. Quit worrying. He said, literally, stop it. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore... Based on what he's told us in chapter 5 and in chapter 6. Therefore, if you invest in the kingdom of God. Therefore, if I'm your master. He said, therefore, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor do they store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes, Americans? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the worldly people, run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them for us now. But you first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that you're worried about will be given to you as well. Therefore, he ends with, begins with a therefore and ends with a therefore. Therefore, 
Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, I pray that you'll add your blessings to the reading of your word this morning. I pray that you'll continue to receive our adoration as we yield our minds, our hearts, our time to you, to worship you, to let you instruct us, correct us, chastise us, encourage us this morning, and speak through your servant. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Matthew teaches us not to worry. I was reading that Harvard's endowment has swelled to over $11.3 billion. And yet, 20% of the U.S. household have lost all their savings in the last year. Hmm. And God's saying, don't worry. We have 9 million people out of 30 million people that own small businesses have lost their businesses in the last year. And I'm reading, God, you told me not to worry? Some of the shelves in the store are empty. In fact, I've heard now Sam's and Costco's, guess what? They've run out of what? Toilet paper. You really need to be worried. And God says, don't worry. Do you know how much gas has gone for in California this past week in some places? Over $5 a gallon. God, you're telling me not to worry? God, you don't live in South Florida. You know, I can't even find a home to buy. I can't afford it. I can't even afford the rents. And you're telling me, God, don't worry? One day, when he was away from home, someone came running up to John Wesley saying, Your house has burned down. Your house is burned down. To which Wesley replied, no, it hasn't, because I don't own a house. The one I have been living in belongs to the Lord. And if it has burned down, that's one less responsibility for me to worry about. (laughs) Would to God all of us would think that way and believe that. God does have some answers to you and me, and to our worries. I've entitled this morning's message, Worry Can Be Gone in a Hurry. Worry can be gone in a hurry. What are you worried about? There are two ways that worry can be gone right quickly. I was reading about a man that was ready to jump off a bridge because of all his problems. They were weighing him down so much that he was ready to take his life. And a police officer came upon him on the bridge. He talked to the man and said, what's happening? And he told him about all his problems. He goes, okay, let's make a deal. I'm going to tell you all about my problems. You tell me all about your problems. And then we'll figure it out from there. So after they both swapped their problems, the police officer said, give me your hand. And he gave him his hand. And they both jumped off. The moral of the story is your fears, your anxieties, honestly and sincerely, can be passed on to someone else. So just because you're worried about something, you're saying, okay, it's just me. But you can actually be contagious. There's another way you can stop worrying. And when Jesus said in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all 
your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. I heard another story. The husband at night was pacing the floor back and forth, back and forth, and his wife couldn't go to sleep. She said, what's the problem, honey? He said, well, you know, I borrowed $1,000 from my neighbor, and I promised him I would give it back to him before 12 o'clock midnight. I don't have the money. She opened up the window. Hey, Tom. What? My husband doesn't have the $1,000 to pay you back. Closed the window. What was that all about? You go to bed. He's got to start worrying about now where, how he's going to get that $1,000. <laughs> you see, really and truly, it's an illustration of God saying, cast your worries upon me. I will take care of you. So the first thing I'd like us to see this morning is don't worry about this life. Boy, do we need to hear that today in Matthew 25. He said, that's why I'm telling you, based on investing in the kingdom of God, based on he's your master, he's saying, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink and enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more important than clothing? Well, he's telling you and me not to worry about what we'll eat or wear. I know we have a group of people that's meeting on a regular basis, and we're concerned about some of the food shortages that we're seeing around the country. My wife thinks sometimes I'm worried, but really I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what's happening in our country. So we talk about it. We meet on a regular basis. But as I was um, putting this message together, I I thought back to the Old Testament. Do you realize when Israel left Egypt, And they were in the wilderness. They had nothing to drink. There were no 7-Elevens out in the wilderness. There was no Walmarts, no Sam stores. There was no green grass. And they cried to God and said, we're hungry. And out of thin air, there came manna. I don't know what you're going through right now. And you're worried about maybe putting food on the table, or you know someone that's worried about putting food on the table. It may not be our concern as Americans right now, but if you ever get to that point, please reflect on the Scripture. These things were written to encourage you and me that we might believe He is the Almighty Savior. If He can bring manna out of thin air, He cares for you, and He can take care of your need. This morning. Yes, he cares for you. He said, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Based on my history, I can take care of you, whether you have enough food or drink. Do you remember, also in the wilderness, when they were thirsty? The exact same thing happened. Out of nowhere, a rock was struck. He was supposed to speak to the rock, and water came out of the rock. Remember those things when you start worrying about whether you're going to be able to put enough food on the table or provide for your family. Think back to these stories. They were written, as John says, for your purpose that you might believe and be encouraged. He also reminds us in 25 and 28, 
about our clothes. I know I can tell by what some of you are wearing. You're worried about clothing. I can go to your closets now again. Remember when we grew up, you barely had a closet. Now she has a closet. Now he has a closet. Now your children have a closet. And you got so much clothes that probably every other month you got to bag them and toss them out because it's taken up too much room in your house. Well, you and me really don't have to worry about clothes, but you understand what God is teaching you. Don't worry about what you do have and don't have or whether you have enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more important than food and your body more important than clothing? So you and me are probably more concerned about a job. Will I have a job? What's going to happen in this economy? Will I have enough money? I already told you 20% of the families in America have lost their savings. So your needs may be different than someone else's needs, but God knows what your needs are. Don't worry about it. It has been reported that a dense fog, extensive enough to cover seven city blocks, 100 feet deep, is composed of less than one glass of water divided into 60,000 million droplets. In the right form, a few gallons of water can cripple a large city. In a similar way, the substance of worry is nearly always extremely small compared to the size it forms in our minds and the damage it does in our lives. Someone has said, worry is a thin stream of fear that trickles through the mind, which if encouraged, will cut a channel so wide that all the other thoughts will be drained out. God tells us not to worry about the basic necessities of life, that he will provide them for you. But he also tells us something else. Don't worry about the length of life. Hmm. A lot of us have been concerned about that going through COVID. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life. Jesus said that worry is sinful. We may dignify worry by calling it by some other name. It's a burden, a cross I have to bear, but the results are still the same. Instead of helping us live longer, anxiety only makes life shorter. Yes, worrying affects our health. During the coronavirus, the pandemic in the U.S., and the changes in the daily lives of Americans that have ensued have taken their toll upon people's mental health and created new barriers for those seeking mental health care. Stress and worry about contracting the virus, coupled with job losses, loss of child care, as well as a devastating loss of loved ones due to the COVID-19, are just a few ways that the pandemic may have had an effect upon our mental health, let alone our physical health. Those adults who are having a negative impact on their mental health, one out of two. Over half of the adult population's mental health has been impacted because of the worry over COVID. Seven in 10 women under 30 reported a negative mental health impact from the pandemic. 
Does God care about your health and your physical being? He said life is much more than just food and clothes. And he said, do not worry about how long you will live. We don't understand why some people are born with some handicaps. But the Bible does teach us in many places God cares about your health and the longevity of life. It's in his hands. In John 9, 1 through 3, he reminds us of such a story that he has his eye on people's maladies, their illnesses, and viruses, or deformities. As Jesus was talking in John chapter 9, and was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. God cares about your health. There are many passages in scriptures like this. He knows how you were formed. He formed you. He made you. He even told Moses when Moses didn't want to speak to Pharaoh, who made your mouth? God knows about your health, and he cares for you. But I want to tell you something. Not only can worry make you ill, but your relationship with God and your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ can impact your health also. James 5, 16 reminds us of this. He said, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, Why? So that you may be healed. There are husbands and wives that are clashing. They need to confess to one another so that they can have healing in their home. So they can be made whole. Perhaps even their children could be made whole if they will confess their sins to one another. God said you would be healed. So that's another way that God wants to take care of you by confessing your sins so you can be healed. Before you took the Lord's Supper, we usually ask you, invite you, please, please, before you take the Lord's Supper, make sure you're right with God. He said, because you're not right with me, many of you are sick and many of you are fallen asleep. That means you're dead. So you see, by confessing your sins is a way that you can be made right with God. But he cares about your health. Does he care about those who are affected by COVID and have died? Yes, he does. As I was thinking about this, I'm thinking about, well, God, do you really care about people's health? Do you really care about people who are going to live and die? Well, he already told us, and that's, that's the scripture that we hang on to and a few others. That's the doctors in COVID did not take your loved one's life because God has in his hands the longevity of your life. Amen, believer? That's the encouragement We have for ourselves, and we pass on to others. Worrying about death will not help. According to the report from The Hill, a major publication said that 57% of millennials were afraid of dying from the virus compared to 47% of those over 65. This is a huge significance from a public health perspective. It also raises the question of which is driving such fear 
among the millennials. God is telling you, millennials, and even us, don't worry about how long you're going to live on this planet. We do agree that you want to maintain the health of your body as best as you can. But your health and your life is in God's hands. It's not in anybody else's hands. In Matthew 6, 27, we're reminded again, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? All of us have been attacked with the temptation of worrying. But God says, stop it. Don't worry. Concerned about your health and longevity of life? Yes. Worry, no. I want you to remember this. Someone has said, concern you own, but worry owns you. Let me say that one more time. Concern you own, but worry owns you. It's okay to be concerned about what's happening around us and be prepared. Like a hurricane coming, we get prepared. But we shouldn't worry about it. Look at all the people that scatter from South Florida to North Florida, only to have that little hurricane chase them all the way there. I know, maybe you're one of those people here that did that. I'm not trying to make light of that, but isn't it amazing? If you'd have just stayed here and hunkered down, you'd have been all right. And you got stuck in that traffic, and you're going, oh, my goodness. I shouldn't have worried. Something else I want to remind you about worry. 40% of what we worry about never comes to pass. 30% of what we worry about or worry that will happen in the past cannot be changed. 10% of what we worry about relates to health. 8% of worry is legitimate, but even then your worrying about it won't change it. So God's telling us this morning, Victor Life members, those looking in online, don't worry about the basic necessities of life. Don't worry about how long you're going to live on this planet. Your days are numbered, and there's nothing you and me can do about it. All the vitamins in the world, all the fasting in the world won't make you live longer. All the pumping weights will may, maybe make you look a little bit better, but it will not help you live longer. Okay, Jesus also said something that I believe that will help us this morning in this passage. Life is more than the basic necessities. Life is more than just food and drink and clothing in verse 25. He taught us, number one, that man does not live by bread and food. In Matthew 4, 4, he reminds us, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, unbelievers worry about food and drink and clothing. He reminds us of that in this passage, Matthew 6, 32. These things, what things? Clothing, food, drink, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. That's why they hoard it all. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. God's going to provide for you one way or the other. Medical experts state that the typical man or woman 
cannot live more than 10 days without water. However, some individuals have lived 21 days without water. But God wants to remind you this morning that, yes, he can provide food out of thin air, water from a rock, and he can actually cause you to survive without eating or drinking for 40 days. Where did we get that from? Exodus chapter 34. Remember, Moses was up in the mountain. 40 days he fasted. He comes out off the mountain with the Ten Commandments. He sees Israel giving up on God and committing adultery and adultery. He throws the commandments down. Long story short, he goes back up the mountain again, and he doesn't Here's what it says. Moses remained on the top of the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. In all that time, he ate no bread and drank no water. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, on the stone tablets. So while he was up there, he was sustained by God. Actually, some people believe that he may not have eaten anything or drank anything for 81 days. We know for sure that he didn't need anything for 80 days. He just went up there and fasted 40 days. He came down, went right back up again, and fasted another 40 days, and he didn't have any water. What is God communicating to you and me about that? He sustains you. He alone is Jehovah Jireh. He alone is your provider. And Israel kept forgetting that during all the scare tactics that everyone's bringing upon us. And some reality, actually, with the food shortages and other things that are going on, or joblessness. God is your Jehovah Jireh. He will provide for you. I think it's one of the, in Psalms, it says, I, I've lived long on this earth. I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. Yes, Christians will be tried. Yes, Paul said, I know what it's like to be full and to be hungry. I've learned to be content whatever situation God has me in. I can look at my journey since I've been with God, and I've never been hungry. It's not wrong, though, if you're hungry for a day or two days. That has happened to people. It has happened to believers. But as, as the psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. God has taken that worry away from you. He said he will be your Jehovah Jireh. He said life is not about drinking and eating. Romans 14, 7 reminds us of this fact. For the kingdom of God, you and me have citizenship in the kingdom where his ambassadors on earth were representing his kingdom. Our king's going to take care of us. He said, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is about. And we represent the kingdom of God in our daily lives. Don't worry about eating or drinking. It's more than just food and clothing. Also, Jesus reminds us of this in John 4. My food is to do the will of God. He said, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. This is when he met the, the, the Samaritan woman at the well. And he was hungry. He had been working hard. as He had sent the disciples off to get some food, and they came back. And, and he said to them, Rabbi, eat something. And he said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. 
It sustained him. Doing the will of God sustained him. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Again, he tells us about food and clothing. He said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You keep your mind on the kingdom of God, remember? He said, don't store up treasures on earth, but in heaven. Make him your master. He said, if you concern myself about the kingdom, I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I know I told you last week, even the little bit of savings that you and me have, as I already said, 20% of the Americans have lost their savings. I want to be like John Wesley. God, if you want it, it's yours. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold, than houses or land, or riches untold. We may be tested in the coming days and weeks and months on if that is really true in your life. You see, God said in order, to come, in order to overcome worry, start trusting him. It's a matter of trusting. How big is your God? I think to some people, he's like this little. How big is your God? Can you trust him? You're trusting him with eternity. Can't you trust him to provide for you? Besides all that, our bodies belong to the Lord. He tells us in Romans 12, 1, and dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. God's saying to us this morning, in spite of what you see with your eyes, your spiritual eyes see something different that God will provide for you. I have been worried and concerned about some of these things when I remember COVID first came out. And then the first 15 days, we all were worried and concerned. And then we, we were put out of commission for another 30 days. And then I began to do my homework. I said, fear, be gone. Get out of my house and get out of the church. And we opened up the church doors and people started coming back and started praising God out in the parking lot before they ever even got in the house. Amen. Hallelujah. People were so glad that there were people that did not fear what the media was preaching to them day in and day out. And I wanted to tell them, turn off the TV. Turn off that idiot box. That'll stop a lot of your worrying right there in itself. And stop listening to your husband, my wife would probably say. <laughs> wow. I, I don't know. For some reason, fear wasn't around. The only thing I feared was for you. Because I feared that if we opened up watching TV too much, that someone would come in and arrest you. That's what I feared. They, they were going to throw you in jail, and you're going to say, Preacher, why didn't you protect us? Because remember, they were going around the businesses, and they were arresting the business owners. But after a while, they stopped coming after the business owners, and they were coming after the people that utilized the business. And that's what I was concerned about. You see, when you have a relationship with God, he will take away that fear from you. So don't worry about your basic necessities. Even if you lose everything you have, you still have everything in Jesus. Can I say something else to you that he says in this passage? He also tells us don't worry because you're valuable. Hmm. Let's read those passages that remind us of that. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds. 
They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable than they are? I want to remind you of something, and you might write this down again. God doesn't love you because you're valuable. You're valuable because God loves you. Does that make sense? Again, God doesn't love you because you're hot stuff and you're valuable. You're valuable because he loves you. Hands off, my kids. God's going to provide for you and take care of you. You're very valuable. And he gives us the illustration of the birds that do nothing. Well, they actually do something. They do go around looking for their food, but they're not worried about tomorrow or yesterday. He provides for them. And then he gives us another lesson about the lilies in the field. Let's read that. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Many people find their identity in what they wear. Hmm. Believers find their identity in who they belong to, Jesus Christ, not in what they wear, whether they have the right name brand shoes, whether they have the name brand clothes. I mean, we put pressure on our kids from the time they're little. You got to get an education. What kind of career are you going to have? What kind of profession you're going to be involved in? And then as soon as you hit in your 20s and get a job, then all these investors want your money. They want you to start investing in that small segment of life that you may or may not live to enjoy a few years on that rope called life. We indoctrinate our kids to worry about these things. God is saying, don't you worry about clothing. We had hand-me-down shoes, six boys. My brother wore the shoes, got handed down second, third, fourth, fifth. We had one pair of good shoes to go to church, one pair, and they were handed down. We didn't hand down underwear. That was one thing we didn't hand down at all. <laughs> he said, you're more valuable than the birds of the air, more valuable than lilies of the field. He said in Matthew 6.30, and if God so cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Hmm. I, when, when I think about faith, and I think about a lot of times where people challenge you and me about our faith because we pray over people to be well, and sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait, and we wonder why we may lose some of our loved ones, so we, and you begin to be tempted about your faith, whether it's strong or not. And I just go down the long laundry list of what you and me do that spells out faith. You read the word of God. You talk about a savior you haven't really seen. You represent a kingdom you've never visited. You give to a king and invest in the kingdom of God way above what you invest here on earth. You pray. You've seen God's almighty hand operate in your life. Don't let someone tell you you don't have faith at all. You have faith of the grain of mustard seed. God's saying, he cares for you. Have faith in him that he will provide for you. 
God said he's not willing that any should perish. But here's how valuable you are because God loves you. The cross. Always remember the cross. While we were sinners. I mean, you, you have to really stop and meditate on that. While you were no good, while you were in prison, while you had a, a criminal record with God, while you were sinners, Christ died for you. I mean, we scarcely, we see people on the side of the road and go, they're begging us for money, and we think, well, they deserve, they deserve to be where they're at. I'm not giving them any of that, my, my hard-earned money. Can you imagine just picking one up off the road and bringing them into your home and, and giving them a shower and giving them some food? God says it's easier for you and me to open up our homes and invite people in that are like us because they can invite us to their homes and pay us back. But how about giving to the people that can't give back? I had the privilege, as you know, of taking two people in my home. And the reason I did it is because God provided a home for me when I was a bum. And someone took me in their home. And I lived with them for three years. And they lived for Jesus better than any family I've ever known in my life. God allowed my wife and I and my children to enjoy the same. So we took in a girl and a boy. Well, they were young men and a young lady at that time. He allowed us to return the favor. There was nothing about the boy that I liked at all. He was a hippie like me. He wasn't a stud at that time. He's a stud now. <laughs> he's working on his doctorate degree, and he's pastoring right down the road here at Plantation Community Church. But when he came to my house, in the back room, he was lost, a partier, a druggie, and he had a terrible childhood. I saw God revolutionize his life. He transformed his life. What he's done for you, you turn around and do back for someone else. See, while you were a sinner, while you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, Christ died for you and me. You see how valuable you are and you're worried about a job, a home? Concern? Yes. Worried? No. I pray today that you are encouraged that you're valuable. One last thing. How to get over worry. How do you get over it now? Well, we kind of really have already been talking about that. But let's get a little specific. How do you get over worry? Live your life for God and not yourself. You see, in Matthew chapter 6, he kept reminding of us of these religious leaders who, for example, they, when, when they were taking care of the needy, they wanted everyone in the world to know they were taking care of the needy. Hey, look what I'm giving to the poor. They were living lives for themselves. And then you had people that showed off praying. Remember in, in Matthew chapter 6? They prayed long prayers out loud. They probably never prayed in their homes like that. But in the public, they prayed out loud and long so that they could impress people with their religiosity. They were living lives for themselves. God said, live your life for me. And then even in their fasting, when they fasted, Everyone knew they were fasting. They wore long faces and looked like they were very sad so you would feel sorry for them. They were living life for themselves and for the people in front of them. They wanted the applause of men. That kind of life will have you worrying all the time because you wonder whether you have been accepted, whether you are loved or not when you live life for yourself. If this is the essence of your religion... 
You go to church for your wife. You give to the poor to show off. Pray so others will think you're religious. Fast so others, not God, would think highly of you. Then you have a lot to worry about. If all you're doing, the money you make, and you never invest in the kingdom of God, and all you do is invest in this life, you have a lot to worry about because when the government comes for what you have, I mean, we can't even take money out of the savings. Your tax going in and your tax coming out. Inflation's going through the roof. The handwriting's on the wall. Jesus is coming back very soon. And all that you have may be taken away from you. I wonder what you'll think about God then. He's already told us in advance it's going to happen. Are you prepared for that? I don't know if we're living in those times. Certainly the handwriting seems to be on the wall that we are living in those times. But can you literally give up everything and say, God, it's yours? Well, if you haven't learned to invest in the kingdom of God now, you're not going to do it then. And if all you're doing is investing in this life, you have a lot to be worried about because you're depending on yourself. See, those people have only themselves to depend on. We have other sources they know not of. He is the source of life. Jesus said also in Matthew 5, but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teacher's of religious law in the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. If this, was your, if this is what your religion is about, a show-off religion, you're dependent on yourself, then you're not getting to heaven because you need to depend on Jesus in order to get to heaven. When you live life for God, you're ready to be with him at any moment. I've heard so many encouraging stories about moms and daddies and brothers and sisters who have died in the Lord because of the virus. And many of you have reported to me they, they couldn't wait to meet their maker. They were not worried about going on to be with the Lord. You see, Jesus said, if that's how you live, guess what? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Listen, at times I need to be encouraged by you and at times you need to be encouraged by me and by the word of God. I was worried when this, this virus first came out. I'm not worried any longer at all. Not because it can't affect my family at all or affect you, but because I know he's in control. You know he's in control. The government's not in control. Satan's not in control. God's in control. He said, stop it. Stop worrying. Invest in the kingdom of God. That's another way to stop worrying. And finally, seek the kingdom of God first. He reminds all of us in the same chapter where he's saying don't worry in Matthew 6, a very familiar passage with those who've walked with the Lord a long time. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Not the kind of righteousness that we talked about earlier where the religious leaders do everything for show. The kind of righteousness that you see expressed through the life of Jesus. And all these things, what things? Clothing, 
homes, a place to live. All these things I'll give you as well. Will you trust God? In 1 Timothy 6.11, but you, man of God, you could say woman of God, flee from all this, all what? All this worry, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And then here's what God will do. Second Chronicles. For the eyes of the Lord range to and fro, to the earth to strengthen those hearts that are fully committed to him. He said, you have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. That's those who do not trust him. But those who do trust him, he is willing to strengthen your heart because of what's going on. So he ends with Matthew 6, 34. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I'll end with this little story. I remember during COVID, we were challenged also, like many churches. We were one of the first ones to open in, in South Florida. Not many were opening because we live in a very, very area, a liberal area, a liberal area where they're, they're, they're embracing fear. Concern, yes, remember, concern you own, worry owns you. And I remember right during the middle of COVID, this church was challenged. Could we survive? Could we pay our staff? Could we pay the missionaries? And overnight, we were told we would miss over $100,000 within a week or two. It wasn't going to be here anymore. Immediately, I prayed with my secretary, and immediately, we prayed with our staff. Within one week, within one week, there was a commitment of over $100,000 that would be in this church in the year 2021. Can you give God the praise? You see, I could have been concerned when the news came to me of why I should be worried. But quickly, because you walk with God and I walk with God, immediately, like a person that practices throwing a football or singing or playing, immediately the Holy Spirit, well, kicked me in the gear and said, what have I taught you all your life? Don't put your trust in a man. Put your trust in me. And we immediately prayed and said, God, we're going to transfer like that $1,000 that was owed to the neighbor. You worry about it, God. It's your home. It's your church. I literally said, this is your church. You care for your church. That means you will provide for your church. And boy, did he provide. Father, thank you for your blessings of provisions, both spiritually, financially, numerically. Thank you for what you've done through Victory Life Church. We give you the honor. All the glory goes to you. It stops with you. It begins with you. It ends with you. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said amen. Would you stand and- Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.